You the one. What's going on with you, boy? Man, I am ready to get creative on this motherfucking episode tonight. You know what time it is. Yes, yes, it is about (laughs) that time, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Stirring the Pot. I am Dewan, that is Mo Mac, and this is episode six, I believe. Damn, we're making a lot of them. We might have to buy new hands, man, so we can get the digits counted up. Indeed, indeed. Oh, man, so the topics we're going to hit y'all with today, we're going to talk about hip-hop and you don't stop, and we're going to do a special type of motor waiver, including Momac Attack. Ooh, you know I'm excited about that, Dewan. You know I'm so excited about that. It's like Christmas for me. Exactly. I don't know why you put me on the spot talking about this old thing here called hip-hop, but let's do it. So... The reason why I want to talk about hip-hop is because it plays a major part into my character makeup and who I am, especially how I use Anchor. Because my approach is that I see it as, you know, a rap battle arena, and I'm a battle rapper. So when I decide to say something, it is to move the crowd and also to keep my opponents in awe and also jealousy because that's fun, too. (laughs) <laughs> well, you always got jealousy around you, man, so don't worry about that shit. I think it's it's coming out of your pockets and grows, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, uh, uh, that's, that's, that's classic. That's never going to go away. You got to get used to it. But let me ask you this. Before you go into <coughs> some of the details, how did it all start for you, Duan? I want to know, like, the year that you were like, hmm... When did you discover hip-hop, like, really fell in love with it? I discovered hip-hop at a very, very young age. Uh, My mom had been playing hip-hop. My brother had been playing hip-hop. We had a hip-hop household. My mom wasn't one of those moms that played the Marvin Gaye's and the Temptations. No, she was playing Tupac, playing N.W.A., playing Nas. All right. Yes. So that's what I was raised off of. And I remember one of the earliest concerts I went to was the N.W.A. concert. With my brother. Damn, your mom was current. Holy shit. Yeah, she was ahead of her time. And I know I used to say that on Anchor because, you know, I used to tell that little story. I know uh, Jennifer Elon, she was like, oh, oh, my Lord. Oh, yes. Especially for Minnesota. Like, let me not stereotype, but I'm going to stereotype for a little bit. Minnesota? For real? All right. That's how we got down, you know? man. I know. It's, you People think of Minnesota, they think of Fargo. But, oh, no, we mm-hmm. was in the hood, yo. <laughs> oh man so so it started back in the day your mom's of all things your influence kind of shocking to be honest with you but uh and i know you didn't even see no tapes because you were talking about this you never felt <laughs> the rewind button you were skipping on them them cds long before the rest of us <laughs> was so you know what the funny thing is not only tapes, man. I can talk about eight tracks. When I discovered some eight tracks in my dad's, he, he got like boxes of eight tracks. I don't know what he's doing with them, but it's right. crazy. Anyway, let's go back to the hip hop. So you fall in love with the genre. You're into the music. And how does that evolve throughout high school, you know, into manhood? Take me from the boy that fell in love with it to the man oh. that you Okay, are so one of the first hip hop tracks that I fell in love with, and I had a cassette tape of was uh, 
Naughty by Nature's uh, Hip Hop Array. I used to play that out oh. so much, the tape got messed up. And from there, you know, I would always watch music videos, MTV and BET. And I think when things started to change for me and, and, mute and hip-hop became something that was, like, fun and exciting was probably when I was in middle school. And I still remember listening to DMX's album for the first time. It was a transformative experience. It was like nothing I had ever heard up until that point. The energy he had, barking like a dog. The energy, shit. yes. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. That was, that was an artist that I felt definitely changed the game. Right. Definitely changed the game. So, yeah, I, my, one of my boys, he passed away. Rest in peace, Jerome. He put me on uh, DMX, and he let me listen to it at this assembly we had. And the assembly was corny as hell. But when I was listening to that, I was like, woo! So from there, you know, that's when I fell in love deeply with East Coast music. So I was listening to a lot of DMX, Jay-Z, Noriega, a bunch of artists I was listening to from New York. And... From there, you know, it just kind of built more and more. But then around the time, like, Eminem came out, like, Cannabis, that's when I started to try to rap myself. Mm. See, now, this is the funny part. Like, you know, we're going through the rappers that come up. And for some reason, now, I won't say it's an external reason, but probably is because he's white. Eminem does not stick out in the crowd as hip-hop, straight hip-hop to me. Uh. And... Um, I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, what? I don't know. Can, do you have any feelings about that, or is it just, eh, you know, just my foolishness on that? On that note, I can see that at first. But what made Eminem so cool was that he was talking about, you know, he hated his mom. He wanted to kill his mom, and in the hood, we like, what? You don't never talk about mama like that. So we was all like, what the fuck is this? This some weird ass shit. But we was loving it. So for me. I was like, damn, mom, I kind of don't like you. I like this shit. Wow, whoop your ass. Okay, okay, I'll turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> so I can see that happening. I can see that exactly. happening. But yeah, Eminem, yeah, man, he was, uh, in a lot of ways, he was breaking new ground. He was bringing, like, emo to rap in a way that was never done before. Because before, you know, you get emotional. Rappers talk about how, you know, their mama was a crackhead or something like that, but Eminem brought it to a whole different level, especially with Kim. Oh, man, I feel so bad for her. She making all that money from him, but damn, he, she was a punching bag for him for a lot of records. Yeah, but you know what? She probably put him in them states, man, and them feelings. You know what I'm saying? Like she, Right. I can't say that's wrong. That's wrong to say she put him in. No. He reacted the way he did to her, whatever she did. I mean, obviously, they're not the best people for each other in that sense. Right. But... But no doubt about it. I, I like what you said about emo. You know, I never thought about it. Nobody ever broke it down like that for me. Um, maybe because I wasn't listening. But holy crap, you're right. He th- he he really is an emotional fucking rapper. Exactly. You know? Like and 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 it's not talking about you know the the money, the this, the that, the, the shit that was all talked about before. He was kind of coming up from his life experience. Right. All right. All right, I can see that. I can see that. That's that is definitely interesting, and he made it work. So fuck, good for him, man. Success, and another thing know, that he doesn't get credit for is how much he put on for his daughter. We all know who Haley is now. You know they got pictures yep. of her on Instagram and everything because he was so prolific in talking about her and his songs that she became like this 
this moving part of all his music. You know, same thing, unfortunately, with his mom and with his wife. And it, and it now, you know, it's kind of interesting looking back on all that. I want to sometimes Google and see what does Kim Mathers look like now? What does Haley look like now? Because he made that such a, a big part of his songs. For most rappers, DMX, he don't, he don't mention his kids by name. He, he has got so many damn kids. He's like, oh, fuck it. I'll just say kids. Because <laughs> he love them all, man. He don't want to pick no exactly. favorites. You know, it's easier when you got one. <laughs> Trust me, it's easier when you got one. Wait, what am I talking about? You should be telling me that. Oh, yeah, Mr. <laughs> Five Kids, baby. <laughs> you love them all. Yeah, the kids. Five beautiful kids. Stop now. Come on, Duan. We 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 seen them pictures. We know. You oh yes, I love my kids. And if y'all listening, please, <sighs> Daddy loves you, but he's gonna be on his ignorant shit today. Yes, yes. Keeping it real. Thank you again, Duan. Keeping it so real. All right. So <coughs> we we hit we hit a couple of rappers now. Cannabis. Well, tell me a little bit more about him. Okay, cannabis. Because. Because I am not familiar with cannabis, so here's my ignorance just showing up. I'll be real with you. I do not know cannabis. Well, cannabis is from, I believe, Queens, New York. I want to say he's from Queens. I can't be too sure. But he came up um, with the Lost Boys and Wyclef John. Wyclef John signed him, actually, to a label. And and, and cannabis is known. You probably can look on Google, Cannabis uh, Silverman. He he, he had silver paint at the awards. I forget which one award it was. He had body paint and rapping it was very weird but cannabis is probably most known for going against ll cool j mm-hmm. so in can hitting the old right. school hitting the old school guys the old guys like me i see that. so we're taking it back to maybe 1998 99 when it occurred pretty much cemented cannabis in history as one of the best battle rap records ever with um second round knockout and he basically just, he brought lyrics back in a way. It's like lyrics that actually required intelligence rather than just saying, I shoot you with my nine because I'm always in my prime. You know, he would say something like, I shoot you with the nine galactic prime. He'll, he'll make it like scientific and all that stuff. So he really elevated the game in a lot of way, the underground game with lyrics. See, that's what I like. There's, there's different genres right there, man. It's the underground game and the battle rap situation like i feel like that's a different talent altogether exactly yeah because once you get into the world of hip-hop you got underground east coast underground general and you have trap music which is in the south but you also have crunk music which is in the south like any other genre of music it's many subsets to it so what's your favorite I would say, oh, man, you put me on the spot. I, don't know, I know some people ready. They got their rifles ready to shoot me down. But I will say <laughs> my favorite is I'm kind of into, like, the weirdo hip-hop. Like, Tyler, the creator, is a perfect example. He's kind of like the new generation Eminem. Maybe not as good lyrically, but definitely in terms of content. Um, he has songs about him play date rape and shit shit like that but it's done in a fun silly way as as you can with that subject but i i don't know really man what what's one of my favorite artists at the moment that i listen to besides tyler the creator um kendrick lamar you know he's he's cool but yeah i'm very picky i'm very picky damn man it's hard to get on your dial i see that i see that you know that's why people be dropping off your dial too but hey Hey, you know what? That's that's good. It's better to be picky 
and know exactly what you like and not, you know, not, what's that, compromise? Exactly. Yeah, not compromise. You got to keep it real and straight on that, though. So that being said now, Duan, you know we got to bring this up. You fucking mix your own, you do your own beats. Yes. Do you feel, do you feel any of those influences showing up in what your work is or... Do you not even relate the two? It's just, hey, I happen to work in the same field, but we're totally different. I will totally say that some of my biggest beat-making inspirations are Kanye West and Just Blaze. But I'll focus on Kanye West since everybody knows who that is. Now, I know we all know Kanye because of Kim Kardashian, but I know Kanye from when he had his jaw wired when he was in a car accident. And he had to rap with his jaw wired. So... Damn, not, that's dedication. Holy shit. Exactly. So the way he would put songs together, it was it came at the same point in time when I was starting to start making beats. So when I'm listening to him progress as a beat maker, I was starting to do the same thing. So yes, those are my two biggest inspirations. I have some others, but yeah. Yeah, Kanye got skills. I mean, you know, nobody could really take it away from him. The man... Uh, does produce some fucking shit that's super popular. So, yeah, he can say whatever the fuck you want. Man. Exactly. You know, ain't nothing wrong with that. We see it, you know, and the truth is, you know, you brought it up before, man. When the people are so good that it don't matter who the fuck they are or what they do on the other, you, you got to respect that, man. What The art is the art, man. Exactly. It's just so amazing to me. It's so amazing to me. So, you know, now, back to this, I'm going to put you on when we going to get some more premium one? When we going to get that stuff popping on Anchor for the fans that you don't know you have? <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, Momac, I want to thank you again for sticking your neck out and sending me that zip, the, the flash drive, even though my computer basically is trash now. Yeah. Yeah, we tried our best, man. It's like CPR, man, but that's 10-year-old yeah, baby. I love it so much, but it just can't can't compute anymore. Can't pute pute. <laughs> yeah, we gotta open it up, man, because you know them arteries inside it all dusted up, man. The CPU is probably like smoking. <laughs> you know what I'm exactly. saying? Exactly. Yeah, but what I wanna say that. is that um my son, now, I've been using his laptop when he comes over, when he sleeps. So, maybe I can kick something off tomorrow night. Whoa, exciting. 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 Whoa. That's, that's awesome, man. I'm going to be on your station, as always, but it's going to be a nice treat to have some of that to listen to and look forward to. Exactly. Oh, oh yeah, you know. It's exciting. It's exciting, man. Keeping the women up. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to ask you a question, Bobak. Hit me. Um, growing up, did you have any friends that was really big into hip hop and like they would always try to rap for you and stuff? Hell no, man. <laughs> when I grew up, let me tell you. Well, all right, all right. My early days. So I lived. I lived in two. So I lived in the real. I'm gonna say it's the real ghetto. Yeah, Hancock Street. It was kind of, kind of, sort of on the cusp of Bed Stuy, but not really. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but then I was really young. I was, that was before, hold on, that was up to sixth grade. So, uh, shit, man, I was like the, the only white kid on the block. They used to call me Fat Pete Rose because I look like <laughs> Pete Rose, but like a, a small fat version of Pete uh -huh. Rose. They're like, oh, Pete Rose, come on. And I remember my boy, my boy Freddie at the time, he put on, like, one day his mom's was out, you know, I was like hanging out with him, whatever, it's the summer. 
And um, you know what? He introduced me to NWA back in the day. He's like, yo, you got to listen to this shit. I was like, what? Mm. All right. So he, he brought out the vacuum. And you know how we do in the ghetto. We had, we, we had the vacuums without no attachments. It was just a tube and shit. So it took forever to vacuum. Uh. <laughs> it, it didn't have that wide mouth. It, just, it was just a tube. Anyway, so he's, he's vacuuming. I'm listening to NWA in the house. I'm like, yo. Oh, this shit is kind of crazy. Are we allowed to listen to this stuff? Because, you know, I was kind of like a little kid back right. then. He was like, maybe a little bit older, not that much older. But anyway, um, and I don't know if that influenced me, but, you know, back in the day, I got to say this was the 80s, right? Yeah. So back in the 80s, I feel like it was like even in New York City, it wasn't like everywhere that you would hear hip hop. I remember there was like this radio station it wasn't like fully dedicated to hip-hop back then yeah. man i feel like i feel like it might have been you know college radio and they had like a one hour show where they would play the underground stuff and honestly i would listen to it but you know it was the fucking corny shit man like the 90s flipped it all around uh -huh. all around and by that time so by the time and the only thing close to hip-hop that I listened to, uh, and it's not hip-hop at all, it was like Rage Against the Machine. I got like into heavy, angry music. Um, yeah, like, I guess it was what? It's called, was it grunge? No, it was, it was like hard rock, grunge, maybe even yeah. metal, some, uh, s some of that shit. So that's what we were playing uh, with the kids I was hanging out with, trying to do some BMX and stuff like that. So, yeah, my, my hip-hop days was... Although I might have dressed <laughs> hip hop to fit uh -huh. in, I was not playing it. I was not playing it, man. I kind of, you know, I don't know. The 90s was weird. I got to tell you, because you could see all of those. You could see hip hop being played at a party, grunge being played at a party, and, you know, like some Metallica too. It was like a weird time where popular music was, was, wasn't really pop music you hear nowadays. Like, in, in like 94, 93, I'm going to say it was a harder beat all around, man. Yeah, you know? I would definitely agree. Up until, up until college, maybe. I mean, I feel till like 98, and then you started having the big separation. Mm -hmm. I think that's when hip-hop really took off again. You know, from like 95, uh, you know, you were either listening to the Fugees, like you said, Wyclef John, or, you know, like you were straight. Uh, Soundgarden or, or or those bands like you then like the divide started happening a lot more I feel and by 2000 well hell it was a whole different genre all over again man it's like everything gets reinvented every five years it's amazing yeah you know what's um interesting I was watching an interview uh, with Joe Rogan and Billy Billy right. uh Corgan what's his name from uh, Smashing Pumpkins. Smashing Bunk. Oh, God, don't say Billy Corgan. Mickey says I look like that whole ah, motherfucker. You kind of like, do. You, <laughs> you want to do it when I think about it. She, <laughs> oh, yeah, you see? She like, you ugly like that? Oh, no, man, man, he was getting them women so... back in the day, man. Despite of his rage, still a rat in the cage. He was getting all them hoes with that song. <laughs> all right. But anyway. You brought it up, all right? All right, Billy Corgan. God damn. He was the interviewer, and yeah. he was saying how he felt MTV kind of dampered music because, um, or, or it hurt the record companies because the record companies weren't making money off of MTV. MTV held all the control, and they weren't really letting it go. So they pretty much were letting music play for free. And by the time 
that uh, they realized that MTV, like when they changed over to reality television, um, the record companies didn't really know what to do at that point because they were kind of used to them just putting their music out free promotion. So it's... Uh, I didn't see, I didn't realize that, but you make a great point because I know, like, yeah, you said that. That's true. Like the people, the kids I grew up with, true. The ones that had cable had the money for it. And I know Mickey too. They were MTV kids, man. It just seemed like that was the fucking... That was like the YouTube... Pretty much. Of the, pretty much. Yup. Yup. So, yeah. Just all it day. It was. And wow. it was interesting, too, like, with hip-hop. Like, it was a... You, your only outlet, really, was your local radio station or MTV or BET. But once the internet... Yeah. Once, uh, once the internet and, like, Napster kind of came around, it just... It just... It, it flew off the hinges, really, like, in terms of what music you could listen to. I can remember listening to DJ Clue mixtapes and amazed that I was able to hear all my favorite artists freestyling on beats that wasn't the pop, that wasn't the beats that they normally rapped on. I thought it was amazing. Wow, that's crazy, right? Like, see, so that's interesting, right? You have a broader way of getting music harder to find. Exactly, yes. Stuff specific, but it's so niche. I mean, it's it's like micro markets in a sense, right? Like that that'll fuck up a record label because they want to make the most money in the shortest amount of time possible, right? That's all about mass market. But for people, this micro market shit is the shit that's mm -hmm. interesting, right? Like that's the shit that we all need. Like, and it makes music way more interesting, man. Like the stuff that's coming out now, I feel like you hear like crazy stuff because. It's like the artists don't care. They're just free, full expression. Right. It's really exciting. But I will I mean, I offer guess a counter-argument here. Oh, okay. Hit me with a counter-argument because you know you on Anchor. So Anchor is kind of a micro-market in itself. Exactly. So hit me with the counter-argument. Okay. Now, now, let's say maybe late 90s, early 2000s. Napster is booming. Um people are pirating music left and right they're loving music yeah but this is the problem now now they're getting this exposure to music so the record companies take hold of this um then we have a little company called apple with these these ipods that come out and all of a sudden now they're bringing money back into the music so people are paying a dollar 99 for songs again and they're paying for albums and guess what's starting to happen what's starting to happen now is all these mixtapes that was niche and you didn't know about all of a sudden now they're on the internet and it's just saturation. Every artist has a mixtape now. Whereas before you had DJs that would curate and their validation would mean that you were dope. Uh, now you don't need the DJs because you can do your own thing. So now nobody really cares anymore about that quality. They just want to hear their favorite local dude. So this is where the SoundCloud rappers come into play. That's at your local Starbucks handing out free mixtapes now everybody's doing right. it and obviously the quality is suffering you know what you know what i agree with you in this in this sense i mean <clears throat> it's kind of a hard game to play but you're right i mean there is something said to be said about people who know like you said the djs who curate like seeing that happen is way more cool than anything else mm -hmm. right like that is value right there and you don't see that everywhere else right. right so i think you could say that about the internet in general right before you used to have books 
fucking people would curate, edit down books. Books used to be like, you know, you were getting a book from blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. That author was probably quality and all this shit. But now you got everybody and their mother could have a yes. blog or whatever it is and publish ebooks or whatever and that sort of thing. So you do get this saturation of a lot of just garbage all over And the it's place. a double-edged sword, right? Because now, even me and you, Momad, in 30 years ago, we would have to bang on some public access channel to be heard, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, and even that, you know, that's also local. Like, me and you would exactly because you're in Minnesota and I'm over here in New York. So, yeah, I mean, I feel I feel like, yeah, double-edged sword, you know. You, you could get some great stuff. You could get some niche stuff. But you could also get a lot of garbage. So, yeah, at the end of the day, it's all luck. Exactly. <laughs> Finding and that's the sad thing that luck. has never changed, right? That luck, it doesn't matter what technology you got. We hope that the cream rises to the top, regardless. And I feel with our station and what we do, it's a unique thing. And I feel that cream will rise to the top. It already is. I already hear people saying, stirring the pot, this and that. Thank you very much. But yeah, due to the internet, we have been able to make a connection. But there is a saturation where you do tend to hear a lot of the same voices because one thing got popular and everybody's like, well, let's do that. So there you go. Oh, yeah. But there you go. Like, but, you know, the funny part about all that shit is, man, it's like everybody's trying to do the Gary Vee thing, which you were talking about one time. Everybody's trying to do the Gary Vee thing. But guess what? Gary Vee's doing the Gary Vee thing. We don't need more Gary Vee's. We need more you mm-hmm. out there, right? I think this is more oh, wave of time, baby. Oh, I think- God. Oh. Let's get into it. Oh. <laughs> but wait, 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 wait. Am I doing the motor waiver? Yeah, I guess I'm doing the motor yeah, waiver. Yeah, just, man. You heard it so much now. Let's hear Let's hear it, man. What you got to talk about, man? All right. Like, so this is what I'm... Man, I'm not good at this shit. That's what I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can do it, man. Me, just think of something that me, pisses you off. <laughs> let me try. Oh, man. <laughs> let, you know all right, you know what pisses me off? This is what pisses me off. This is what pisses me off. Let me tell you, this is off the cuff. But it's been talked about a lot, and this pisses me off. It's on Anchor, buddy. This is what is pissing me off right now, because we don't talk about... I feel like right. it's the most taboo subject there is on Anchor, and I don't fucking know why. Maybe it's because there are too many damn old people on Anchor trying to be like the, I don't know, the sex police, the prudence police, or whatever. Right. But that that just kills me. I mean, I feel like we should be able to speak about this topic more often. And God bless Lori or whoever. the Insert your favorite God in the God slot. Lori right. from Insatiables bringing it, like having a woman talk about it. I feel like it's safe. Because me, right? Applaud, applaud her, applaud her. Thank you very much. Because me talking about it, you, they're about to be a Me Too campaign on Anchor, right? Like... You can't have the Momax talking about this shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm, feel, I'm feeling dirty even thinking about it. But goddamn people, let's just let ourselves be a little bit more free about this subject. Let's talk. I mean, like you were saying, a lot of these guys, they don't, I don't even know if they could remember the motherfucking last time they had any. So I can understand going back that far in time with them time machines is a little hard. Mm-hmm. But I feel like... That would be great content because everybody feels all stifled up. You know what I'm saying? Like very stifled, like like they're holding back a cough. <laughs> <laughs> right. But they got a cough. 
but they can't do it because they don't want to call off and mess up no fucking recordings or anything like that. Now, so let I, me I, say this about that now. I feel that it's great that Lori said it first because she's a woman. And exactly. that breaks that stigma right away because we all expecting the men to talk about it. But when the ladies talk about it, and they're they attractive ladies too, it's like, ooh, let me get up in on this topic. So that's what happened, I feel. And, it, and it, it, it's good that not a lot of people are talking about it. And it's good that it's just enough because you start to disturb the balance because there should be diversity. It shouldn't all of us be talking about the same fucking thing. I know we love to talk about positive this and that, but you know what else is positive? Sex. Sex, sex is, is positive. positive. It's, it's a, I mean, hopefully you ain't positive, you know, from having sex because that means <laughs> you got that magic Johnson and we don't want to be around that. <laughs> Should I be positive and definitely not positive? <laughs> you know, that's what I think of every time I hear positive, man. Oh, my God. How to make positive not positive. That is the best way. Holy shit. <laughs> positive Whoa. vibes. We love oh my positive God. vibes. We, we, ain't, we ain't talking about you, bro. We ain't talking about you. But now that you mentioned it, I was just going to say positive vibes just sounds like a fucking HIV vibrator for a second. <laughs> oh, no, wait. You heard him, it here but first. Him. But wait, not him. See, oh, now we're getting crazy. Now nah, he loves it. You know what? Positive vibes is so cool. Uh, yeah, he's he, cool is, people, he is one of the coolest people. So he, he he knows how to laugh and have a good time. So I ain't worried about him taking this the wrong way. But right. I, 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 I feel you with that. Po- you know, like if you say something. <laughs> but isn't that funny how somebody could say something and it could go totally the wrong way real quick? Like, holy shit. And it's just a matter of words. Like. He's thinking, like, you know what? That's another thing about uh, Anchor we can talk about. Um, maybe a motive waiver in a sense. Choosing yeah. your words, but don't fucking worry about them at the end of the day, right? Because right. I don't want what we're saying right now about positivity. When you say, look, you want to use positive? Use positive. You feel comfortable with the word? That's the word you want to use? Go ahead. Yeah. I personally yeah. think, I think it's a vanilla word. I don't like it that much. I feel like there could be much better words. That could be chosen, maybe. Right. Um, and the fact of the matter is, every time you... You know, I, I hear what they're saying. Like, a lot of people that talk about it. If you keep on reinforcing the idea of positivity, you're... To me, it sounds, it sounds weird. It's like... It almost sounds a little bit like a broken record. And that's another thing I feel you don't need to do, you know? That's like talking mm-hmm. about... <clears throat> like, when you're trying to talk about something that tastes good and you say oh it tastes good but no don't don't tell me about it tasting good just describe the taste to me and let me come up with the idea of why i like it you know like you know the sauce had a nice nutty robust flavor to it it was very you know roasted you know so i could start having an idea of what it is instead of kind of a meaningless word like good yeah. or positive that's that means different things to different people. So it's, it, to me, it's like a very weak thing. So I wish people were a little bit more descriptive, a little bit like, you know, positive vibes could just fucking be positive. Like I heard him laughing his ass mm-hmm. off on one of these stupid skits I made. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, damn, you're more positive than I've ever heard you before. Because mm-hmm. it was a real moment. Full of, yeah, he was just full of positivity right there. I feel like I pulled the rug under from under him at the time, but... Thank God he didn't stop recording and he just let it go. I was like, oh, that shit is cool. I like that. 
I like that a lot. So, yeah, I think at the end of the day, if people could just um, be real and authentic and catch themselves in the morning and don't worry about sounding funny, just pu- press the damn play button. You know what Exactly. I'm and I, I totally agree with you. And I by no means want to make it seem as though I totally hate people who have a positive message. Obviously, I want you to live a happy life. And if that's how you want to do it, cool. But what I'm trying to say is mix it up a little bit. And also, don't be so rigid. Allow yourself to be vulnerable in a sense, because it's so easy to talk at people about what you think positivity is. But if you're not putting yourself in scenarios and situations to where that positivity can be something that you actually live by versus something that's just a hot button word that you can use to get people to talk to you. Cause if I was to put positive tip, if I was to put positivity in my uh, profile description, I'd be getting favorites every day because that's one of the things anchor likes. They like that positivity. Oh, he's positive. Cause it says, but no, it should be because of your action. Let them actions speak louder. Cause trust me, those actions and the words aren't the same thing. Yeah, they're not the same thing. Actions are so much more powerful, like you mentioned, Duan. And the other thing about positivity, nobody's hating on positivity <laughs> at all because, fuck, we all strive to be positive. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, that, that's, what makes the, that's what makes people – I mean, it's all about being happy. That's what you're trying to do. You're going to move towards that and away from shit that makes you unhappy. But um, <clears throat> the thing I think is great – oh, shit. Sorry. Somebody just tried to cut me off, man. Uh-oh. No, it's all right, man. I mean, I was going to say something. I'm like, uh, my, my brother, maybe, you know, he ain't see too good. But it's okay. It's okay. He, we, we safe. We safe now. We safe now. He got the lights <laughs> on. He, he know what's going on. Um, see, that's when you try to multitask. I'm all, <laughs> I'm all positive at the same time, but also driving like a crazy man at the same time. Yeah. But um, the main point, besides the, the positivity, like, there's no reason that we need to use empty words. I think that's the part that really irks me. Like to be angry about something, and I ain't too angry about too many things, but like if the words are empty and I'm listening, it sounds so vanilla, right? Like, mm-hmm. yo, let's get some let's get some spicy conversation going because how much time do we really have to have somebody's attention? Not much. Right. Not much. So if they're blessing you with their time, man, let them have something to sink their teeth into Mm -hmm. or their thoughts into you know yeah and i think um nothing's wrong with engaging and i think that's what a lot of that is and what they do but also i think conversation is just as deep and big so sometimes i feel they can make posts to get you to listen rather than to get you to speak with them and have a convo about it so you know like to ask questions or to wonder how people feel about something, you know, just something more than just a Gary V uh, echo. You know, I mean, again, Gary V, nothing wrong with him. He's done nothing wrong. But at the same time, I think a lot of people can sometimes miss the messages that even Gary V is telling them. I'm listening to Gary V. I'm like, oh, I don't think they listen to this hard enough. They kind of need to. He talked about authenticity. Yeah, they kind of need to do that. Oh, for real, man. I was just listening to um, stuff that Gary Vee was talking about today. And he's like, listen, y'all, I kind of found my niche. My niche is making a lot of money, like making a profitable business. That's what I love to do. And that's what I talk about. 
And that's kind of why I'm successful at being so passionate about it. Because I ain't faking that shit. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, he was talking about doing that shit like you were talking about hip-hop when he was a kid. Now, speaking of music, he's like, other people are passionate about music that way. But there's some friction. Like, those were his words. There's friction. There's a problem. They also want to make money with it. And sometimes that ain't so yeah. easy. If you ain't no super talented motherfucker, yeah. right? So... Either you do it as a hobby and you admit to yourself, like, all right, let's, let's be real. I'm going to do a hobby. I love this stuff. It's my artistic expression. But I'm going to make my money somewhere else. You know, I'm going to do this to make my money. Ain't nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. you know? And, and you don't have to live your life being, like, only making your money in the music, right? Let's, let's put it that way. You could do a great thing by just making, you know, regular pay doing whatever and then doing music on the side man just make yourself happy ain't nothing wrong with that shit man people think there's something wrong like oh if i'm not happy every fucking second of the day god forbid i have to do a shitty thing at work yeah. uh, you know it's the end of it's the end of the world right like oh i gotta send the facts out who do they think i am an intern oh right people get like crazy about things that aren't really important and i hate and, i hate to say this but i gotta quote tony mosey Talent is not enough. Oh, shit, no. That's true. Talent is not enough. Now, Tony Mosey, hey, man, I've been listening to you, bro. Don't think I'm one of the people that don't care about your shit. You cool with me. But talent isn't enough, man. You got people out there that can spit the best bars, got the best beats. But if you ain't trying to, that it's, it's a whole different talent in getting your shit out there, trying to make it profitable. It's, it's a whole different, just because you can, you have the skills and talent to do something doesn't necessarily mean you can get compensated from it. So like you were saying, sometimes people that you got somebody that wanted to be an actor, they end up becoming like, you know, a uh, president of a theater club and shit. They still are right. around the things that they love, but they just didn't have what it took, you know, or they just didn't want to do that uh, professionally and get paid for it, like make millions and shit. Some people don't want to do the millions. Hey, sometimes it's just a matter of luck, man. Yes, like, let's yes. be real. I mean, it's a lot of matter of luck. Like, <clears throat> you could you could hear Arnold Schwarzenegger talking about it, and I love it because he's talking about his, you know, like acting career, and he's like, "Look, listen to me. When I was becoming an actor, they said, no, look, they have the Dustin Hoffmans. These guys are really thin. They don't want muscle guys. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about muscle guys anymore. He broke the mold by being in some really lucky, lucky spots. Conan the Barbarian. Lucky as a motherfucker that he had this amazing movie and a role that was just, it was just perfect for him, the time, all this shit. That rolled into what? The Terminator. Dude, at first, I mean, think about it. James Cameron was nobody before the Terminator, so you didn't know his talent. But this guy is fucking blockbuster money-making movie gold. This director, just everything he touches makes so much money. And the way I remember it, they call for a script. The Terminator, remember, it's just a robot. So it's supposed to be a robot that just hides in the background, Mm -hmm. you know, is looking like a regular common guy, like somebody you wouldn't be noticing. Arnold Schwarzenegger was not the first pick. Somehow they rolled him into it, and they were like, the only reason it works, Arnold, is because of your voice. It sounds so German. (laughs) You know, like, that was a robotic voice. Like, shit that was working against him in any other movie was, you know, like... If he was trying to be like everybody else, like the Dustin Hoffman speaking regular English and shit like that, 
he would have never got those roles that made him fucking a legend. So, and you, you know go, what right? else is crazy? Be- he made yeah. his own genre. It became a genre of movies from something that yeah, the action hits right. Yeah, from right. something that people said, no, you can't do this. You're not Dustin Hoffman. You got to actually act. That accent is ugly. Now his accent is iconic. It's iconic, just right legendary. up there with them. This is, and he didn't. And his acting was all in mannerisms. Like when he was the Terminator, you were scared of that motherfucker. You was scared. Oh my god! You know, you see, I still remember when he was rolling through the parking garage looking for <laughs> motherfuckers, and he did the eye roll. Mm-hmm. He did the eye roll like from left to right, and they were like, "Yo, you look like the surveillance camera, bruh." And for sure, man, he looked like a fucking killer when he whooped out that woozy. He wasn't like, you know, looking like a wuss. Yes. He whooped out that Uzi. He looked like he was gunning for yo. I, I was, yeah, that was, that was a movie where I was like scared of the machine, man. He did. Yeah. He did a great job. Amazing. Great. Amazing job. talent. Great job. But again, it was luck. It was just a matter of lucky spots, lucky connections. Uh, but let's not be real. You know, the man did work because you could see it on his physique, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's. That's six hours of freaking, uh, uh, you know, on top of your regular day job or whatever it was for him to make the money, man. It was, uh, it, it, it wasn't like an overnight success, and you know he's got the fucking biceps to prove it. Oh yeah, man. And I read his book, Total Recall. I read the book. So, um, what what he went through as an immigrant to get in America and become, you know, basically an icon, governor. Every that's it's it's a, it's a great story. Great story. His life. It is a great story. And you know what I love about that dude? He believed in himself, man. Mm-hmm. He believed in it. He just said, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just do me. What you guys are doing is fine. You do you. But I'm going to keep on working hard and just do me. And wow. You know what? He, he always had the goals. He always wanted to be, you know, in, in government, governing something like leading in politics. Yeah. What do you do? He married a Kennedy. Yeah. Right. Maria Shriver. I mean, like he made all the right moves. That is, that is, you know, a testament to having your eye on the prize, man. Doing, being around the people that could move you <laughs> up. Yeah. And everybody listening, if y'all want us to talk about movies next, I know we're gonna have to talk about movies our next episode, bruh. Well, you know what we're gonna have to talk about next episode? Movies and. Also, like we touched upon Arnold Schwarzenegger, being around the right people, who you dating, who you seeing, who you hanging out with, are they helping you move your goals forward or not? Oh, I I like the sound of that. Right? That is an interesting topic. Like, everybody talks about it, but who are you really hanging out with? You know, people say you can't pick your family, but isn't that what you're doing? (laughs) Isn't that what you're doing when you're picking your significant other? You're picking up you know not only your immediate family but your extended family so i don't know there's a lot to be said of that definitely so man choose but choose wisely (laughs) we dropped 40 minutes on them man oh my god it felt like 10 well you know what that's okay because we'll we'll uh hopefully give you a nice uh better more extended version of stirring the pot next week that's right. So thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. Please call in, comment, echo, share, all of those things the cool kids do. And don't be a stranger. Yes, 